For the Orioles on Thursday, it was another rough-looking loss as the offense was nowhere to be found and they fall to the lowly Cubs. We'll recap that one, talk about where the offense has gone, and then get you ready for a critical three-game series between the Orioles and the Red Sox coming up this weekend. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, August 19th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to start by recapping a tough Orioles loss as they fall 3-2 to two to the Chicago Cubs. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one, and then we'll take a closer look at what the heck is happening to the Orioles' offense right now? And then finally, later in the pod, preview a gigantic three-game series. Orioles and Red Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards this weekend. If the O's struggle this weekend, it's going to make it tough to stay in the playoff race come September. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And before we get started, just got to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Make sure to subscribe to the pod, leave a rating and a review if you listen on audio. And of course, we're right here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube page, which has gotten over 1,000 subscribers. Thank to you. And as I promised, there is a giveaway. That giveaway, the Cedric Mullins 30-30 bobblehead. Got it right here for you. To win the Cedric Mullins 30-30 bobblehead, you got to do two things. One. Subscribe to Locked on Orioles on YouTube. And two, leave in the comments of any of our five episodes this week, Monday through Friday, leave a comment about what is the favorite moment of yours that you've seen live at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And if you haven't been doing O's game live, that's okay. Then you can leave the favorite moment you've seen on TV that's happened at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in its 30 years as a ballpark. I will cut off the entries in the comments tonight at midnight, and then on Monday's episode, reveal who is the winner of the Cedric Mullins 30-30 bobblehead. But again, thanks to you, the listener, for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, we start with a tough Orioles loss. Cubs 3, Orioles 2, your final score on Thursday afternoon at Camden Yards. It was a makeup game from a series a couple of months ago, and the Cubs were already in D.C. playing the Nationals this week. The O's had an off day, so they fitted in for a little Thursday matinee. I was in the ballpark for this one and, well, did not go as planned. We know the Orioles' offense has struggled. Well, it struggled again, and with the loss in this one, the O's have now dropped two in a row after winning those first two games in Toronto. They are now 61-57 and 57 on the season. And with Toronto leading the Yankees and the Rays leading the Royals, as I talk right now, it looks like the Orioles could be two and a half games back of a wildcard spot going into play on Friday. But I'll get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 3-2 loss to the Cubs. And the first thing you need to know is that, frankly, this Orioles offense needs some help right now. The O's just two runs on six hits in this game. Those only two runs came in the eighth inning. They were just dominated by Adrian Sampson, who isn't the best starting pitcher in baseball, but he went five and two-thirds scoreless against the Orioles in this start. 
They didn't get anything going offensively at all until they had a little rally in the sixth and didn't score. Of course, they got the two runs in the eighth, did get two runners on in the ninth, which we'll talk about. But the O's offense, I don't know what's going on. We'll try to dig a little deeper into that later in this episode. But the second thing you need to know from this game is that the Orioles just kind of short-circuited in the ninth inning of this game. Now, shout out to the O's in the eighth inning because they were down 3 nothing and they fought back. They were facing Sean Newcomb, no relation, and Cedric Mullins and Adley Rutschman start the inning with back-to-back walks. Newcomb leaves the game, and a guy named Eric Ullman, who I've never heard of, and I watch a lot of baseball, came into the game for the Cubs, and Ryan Mountcastle delivered an RBI single, Anthony Santander with a sack fly. All of a sudden, it's a 3-2 game with Ramona Rios on third, or excuse me, with Ryan Mountcastle on third and one out, and Arias comes to the plate, hits a ground ball to third. The contact play was on. Honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of the contact play. I was kind of okay with it, though, because against a bad team, you make them make the play. They do make the play, and he was out of the plate, second out at the plate in that game on the Orioles' attempted squeeze bunt. Earlier, they probably should have had a run in that sixth inning. It looked like Austin Hayes was safe, called out at the plate still, but... Mountcastle thrown out the plate as well. Then you go to the ninth inning. Orioles still trailing 3-2 to two after Brian Baker put up a scoreless ninth to keep it there. And you get a gift. Austin Hayes reaches on a throwing error by Cubs third baseman Zach McKinstry to start the inning. And Tyler Nevin was in the on-deck circle to pinch hit for Odor and face the lefty Brandon Hughes. But Brandon Hyde, I thought smartly, stuck with Rugnet Odor. He stays in the game in that spot. And I thought because, you know, he is the number one clutch hitter on this Orioles team, his offensive numbers go way up in high leverage situations. And I thought, okay, I know it's lefty-lefty, but Odor has hit lefties better than righties this year. So I thought it was the right move to keep Odor in instead of a Tyler Nevin who feels like hasn't had a hit in a month. And so I thought maybe Nevin would be a candidate to bunt. But in no way is Rugnet Odor going to try to lay down a sack bunt right now. That's not what he's on this team for. If he's still going to be on this team, he's got to be the guy who plays good defense in second, gives you the vibes, and can hit you a big home run late. And what do the Orioles do? They have him try to lay down a sack bunt. I can't understand why, but on the first pitch, he tries to bunt. He pops it up in foul territory. Cubs first baseman P.J. Higgins catches it, and it's a wasted out on one pitch for the first out in the inning. And I just, I don't understand. I mean, it's already a bad idea Basically, any time to lay down a sack bunt. I mean, you're giving up and out, especially in the ninth inning. You only get 27 of them, and you're giving one away. You got a guy who hits so many big home runs. He's better against lefties. And I just, I don't get it. And I mean, Jorge Mateo has been red hot, but you're setting it up for your number nine hitter after that to deliver with the game-tying base hit. I just don't get it. I think Rugnad's got enough clutch and enough power in that bat that he could run into one. And the way I feel about it, too, is that, you know, all right, you hope he runs into one. Maybe he could hit into a ground ball double play, but basically you're probably looking at most likely either a a strikeout or a flyout. What you would like is that ball in the gap or that home run. So you take your chances there. Rugnet hasn't even attempted a sack bunt all season. So to have him do that, I kind of came out thinking, I hope Odor did that on his own because if Brandon Hyde called for that sack bunt, I've been a huge supporter of Brandon Hyde and managers make mistakes. But that was a pretty big mistake in a big spot that came back to cost the Orioles. I just don't understand that bunt. But the O's kept the rally going. Jorge Mateo then singles into right field. There's first and second, one out. You got the top of the order up. And the Orioles just make a base running gaff to end the game. Cedric Mullins with a soft liner right to 
Cubs second baseman Nick Madrigal, and Austin Hayes gets doubled off at second to end the game. But actually what some didn't see at home, but what I saw in the ballpark, yes, Austin Hayes was too far off second and easily got doubled off to end the game. It was a bang-bang play, but he was out. But Jorge Mateo was much further off of first than Hayes was at second. If Hayes even would have gotten his hand in back at second base in time to avoid the double play, the shortstop there, Nico Horner, would have just thrown the ball to first and in plenty of time would have had Mateo doubled up anyway to end the game. It wasn't just Hayes. Both Hayes and Mateo didn't freeze on the liner in the biggest spot. They ran on the line drive, and yeah, if it falls in, you're tying the game. But even if you freeze on a line drive, it was a soft liner. Hayes has enough speed to score from second. I just don't know what they were doing. It was a disaster of a ninth inning, and it's the Orioles lost the game. Third thing you need to know from this one, though, back on the pitching side, O's got another great start and wasted it here in this one. Spencer Watkins goes five and two-thirds innings, allowing just one run on five hits, strikes out two with no walks. That only run he allowed was the solo home run from Wilson Contreras in the top of the sixth inning that broke the scoreless tie. It wasn't Contreras' only home run. He also homered in the eighth, but Watkins, 80 pitches, just six hard-hit balls. He was, again, able to just get soft contact, limit the damage, get himself out you know, of a, of a couple jams. And again, only five whiffs on 42 pitches. It wasn't the best stuff, but he mixed all his pitches as he usually does and continues to get out of it. And I don't think Spencer Watkins still is a long-term solution in the Orioles rotation, but he just keeps doing what he's doing. And it's at least keeping the O's in games. And he's posted a 404 ERA. And you'll take that from your number five starter. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that for some reason... Joey Crable, who looked good initially when he relieved Spencer Watkins in the sixth, was just in this game for way too long. Crable comes in with a runner on and two outs in the sixth inning, gets the final out of the inning to close the line on Spencer Watkins. This was after Crable took the loss in Wednesday's loss to the Blue Jays, had a rough outing, comes back out in the seventh, puts up a zero in the top of the seventh, keeps it a 1-0 game. You're thinking, all right, we got four outs from Joey Crable, big bounce back outing. That's got to be it for him. You know, Brian Baker and Dylan Tate were warming in the bullpen. You thought they were going to go to the pen, but... Brandon Hyde keeps Crable in, and then Rafael Ortega hits a pinch hit solo homer. And then he gets Nick Magical out, and then he's still in there. And Wilson Contreras hits an absolute bomb of a solo homer to left field. And all of a sudden, it's 3-0, and Crable gets one more out before finally Hyde pulls him with two outs in the eighth and, and puts in Brian Baker. But Baker and Tate were both ready. It's not like they had to scramble to get someone ready. I just can't understand why pitching on back-to-back days he allowed Crable to throw 28 pitches after he had already gotten four outs. You know, rarely this year is Joey Crable getting more than four outs, but for some reason he was tasked with that in this one. I don't really get it. I don't know why he was still in that game. He had done his job. Baker and Tate were ready to go. That felt like it was a decision that kind of cost the Orioles as well. And again, it's hindsight because he was rolling along before the home runs came, but just kind of a, a weird, weird situation there. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this game is, well, the Orioles' offense isn't doing anything, but at least Adley Rutschman continues to walk. He did not have a hit in this game, but he did draw two walks, 0 for 2 with a couple of walks and a run scored in this one. The big walk, of course, came in the eighth inning. They kind of started that rally and ended up scoring. And Rutschman, of course, was on deck when the game ended. Had that not been a double play, Rutschman would have had a chance to tie or win the game in the ninth inning. But he is just the 16th player in MLB history now with 40 walks in his first 70 Major League games. It's been awesome to see the batter's eye at the plate for Adley Rutschman. We're just so lucky to watch him just be as good as advertised already in his rookie season. And 
There's a strong argument right now that he has passed Julio Rodriguez as the front runner for AL Rookie of the Year. But despite Adley Rutschman's best efforts, the Orioles' offense has just been nowhere to be found this week. And coming up next, we're going to dive a little deeper into who is slumping right now and why those specific players slumping is truly leading to this full offensive slump for the Baltimore Orioles. But first, I do have to tell you about liver health formula because your liver is very, very important. And many people don't know just how important your liver can be. It's the key to sustainable weight loss. The liver is the body's metabolic furnace. But thanks to modern diets rich in unhealthy processed foods, most of us have overworked our livers. But now it's easy to rejuvenate your liver health and reignite your metabolism thanks to liver health formula by Pure Health Research, which contains eight liver-boosting supernutrients like turmeric, beet, and artichoke extract. It does a lot for you, and best of all, Liver Health Formula makes it easier to maintain a healthy body weight long-term. And as a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula risk-free today. So go to getliverhelp.com MLB to learn more. Again, that's getliverhelp.com MLB to try Liver Health Formula completely risk-free. One more time, go to getliverhelp.com MLB to get started now. So the Orioles fall to the Cubs 3-2 in a little matinee makeup game at the yard on Thursday. And it continued a concerning trend for the Orioles this week, where the offense is just nowhere to be found for long stretches. I mean, you look back, it really started Saturday's game at the Trop. They get two runs in the second off Shane McClanahan. They leave the bases loaded in that inning and then don't score for the final seven innings. Then on Sunday, of course, you know what happened. Drew Rasmussen had a perfect game through eight innings before Jorge Mateo broke it up with a leadoff double in the ninth. O's did score a run in that ninth inning, but that was it. I mean, literally no base runners until their 25th guy came to the plate on Sunday. Then the O's, you know, did put up a, a solid scoring run of, of seven on Monday. But on Tuesday, you got to remember, the Orioles didn't have their first hit until the fourth inning, and it took them until the fifth inning to score on Tuesday. Now, they had a couple of two-run innings and ended up winning Tuesday's game in Toronto as well, but it wasn't any kind of offensive outburst. Then you go to Wednesday, Ross Stripling goes six perfect innings before Cedric Mullins singles to break it up to lead off the seventh. Orioles scored only the one run in Wednesday's game. And then you get to Thursday, where the O's were shut out until the eighth inning. And, you know, they did have a hit in the third, a Cedric Mullins triple, and Adley Rutschman walked in the first inning to break up any perfect game there. But Adrian Sampson was dominating the Orioles till they finally, you know, they got a little rally in the fifth, didn't score, and then they really rallied in the eighth to get two and did start a rally in the ninth but couldn't get anything across to tie the game. And it's just becoming concerning. But when you kind of look at who's struggling and who's not, it really does make sense why the O's would be struggling this bad. And again... Maybe it shouldn't be this, this bad, because this has been bad this week. But let's start with Ryan Mountcastle. I mean, it was hitting the ball really well in the first half. was not up to his standards of last year, was still hitting well. And then the second half started, he went ice cold. Then he got his favorite team to play against, the Blue Jays on the schedule, started to hit again. And as soon as the O stopped playing the Blue Jays, it went away. Ryan Mountcastle, 2 for 24 in his last six games. That includes the games. In Toronto this week, two for 24. He's hitting third or fourth pretty much every day. He's your big home run hitter, second on the team with 16 bombs. But coming into the year, you would have guessed Mount Castle leads the team in homers. 
And the power's been down. Some of that's been the wall being moved back. But you can't have him in a two-for-24 stretch. He's striking out a lot. He's chasing a lot of pitches. And that's tough to have that in the middle of your order. Then you go to Anthony Santander, who has seemed to be the most consistent hitter all season. Santander did have an RBI in Thursday's game, as did Mountcastle. But Santander just won for his last 16. That's over his last five games, one for 16. His RBI was on a sack fly on Thursday. He's not really seeing the ball well. He's grounding out a lot, just beating the ball into the dirt. Terran Vavra, he had a really nice start, but Terran Vavra won for 12 over his last seven games. His only hit was the pinch hit single late in the game on Wednesday. Terran Vavra did not look good on Thursday. Struck out in both of his at-bats, chasing high fastballs, then came out of the game in favor of pinch hitter Ryan McKenna, who I thought that was the right move to bring in McKenna against the lefty in the sixth inning on Thursday. But McKenna, who had been swinging it well, struck out both times, both in huge spots once he entered Thursday's game. So he's starting to go in the other direction. And then you've got the big-time struggler, and that's Austin Hayes right now. Now, good on Hayes, who did hit the ball hard a few times on Thursday. He had a double to break an offer. He also ripped a ball towards left field later in the game, ended up being caught, would have been a double, maybe a homer last year. And, you know, he hit a ball well in the ninth inning, ended up being an error, but he got on base. But even with the double in this game on Thursday, Austin Hayes is now one for 20 over his last six games. He was almost an all-star April through June. He's hitting under 200 in July and August, and that's getting worse with this bad stretch. It's becoming a real issue, Austin Hayes, and, and the O's are moving him down the lineup. You could see he was hitting six for a while. Hayes hit seventh in the Oriole order on Thursday. That's the lowest he's hit all season in the Orioles lineup, and I'm still fine with him being in the lineup if he's hitting down there, but you like the Austin Hayes that's hitting third or fourth and was an all-star the first three months, not this Austin Hayes, which is swinging and missing a lot and is just not getting himself on base at all. And it's been tough. And Cedric Mullins is still swinging it okay. And Rutschman's swinging it well. And, you know, Jorge Mateo's had a nice second half. And even Rugnet Odor lately has been swinging the bat pretty well. Three-game hitting streak. Had the four-hit night back on Friday. But at the end of the day, I just mentioned four key contributors who aren't doing anything right now. And hopefully... They're all cold at one time. Maybe they'll all get hot again at the same time. That could mean some big wins for the Orioles, and it will happen. They're not going to say cold all season. But it's concerning to have the lineup play like this right now. And even Ramon Arias, I didn't even mention him, because he's starting to hit a little bit better, three-game hitting streak. But before that, he was cold too. And you got to look down at AAA and see Kyle Stowers and see Gunnar Henderson mashing the ball and think they've got to be upgrades over what the O's have now. They just have to be. And I hope they're in the big leagues sooner rather than later. I hope they've been called up by the time you listen to this. But I don't know if it's going to happen. The O's just need some kind of boost to this offense. Gunnar Henderson or Kyle Stowers could be that boost. It'd be nice to have Trey Mancini in the lineup right now, obviously. But it's just it's getting tough to watch these guys struggle and struggle again. Hopefully, though, they can find something like they've done in the past against Red Sox pitching and turn it around this weekend. And that's what we'll get to to finish out today's pod. This is a huge series coming up this weekend at Camden Yards. Orioles and Red Sox. Now, the Sox did lose to the Pirates on Thursday night, so they'll come in 59-60, and 60, but they're still in the AL wildcard race. The Orioles could bury the Red Sox this weekend, or they could bury themselves and let the Red Sox back in it. So coming up next, we'll preview this pivotal three-game series 
at the yard this weekend. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net, your number one place to go for all your sports betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events, the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And you can find news, injury news, scores, pretty much anything you need on every league, including Major League Baseball, but also the NFL coming up, college football, NBA, NHL. And then every weekend, you got combat sports, you got esports, and golf as well. And BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. So head to BetOnline today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today at BetOnline.net, where the game starts. So the O's have lost two in a row. They're losing a little bit of ground in the wild card race, but they've got a huge series to hopefully make some of that ground back up this weekend as the Boston Red Sox come into town to take on the Orioles for a three-game series, two of which will be in Baltimore, one up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Now, so far, nine games played between the Orioles and the Red Sox. The O's are 5-4 and four against Boston this year. They still got 10 games left against Boston starting tonight, and the Red Sox, you know, they're 59-60. and 60. They're a little bit back. You know, they're about five games back of a playoff spot, but they're still in it with, you know, about a month and a half to go. So let's take a look at this weekend series. And it all starts tonight with a Friday night game. I'll be in the ballpark for this one once again. 7.05 star Jordan Lyles goes for the Orioles in two starts this year for Lyles against the Red Sox. He's allowed just four runs on 16 hits. He's really tightrope things in 10 and a third innings. Struck out nine, walked four, and has not allowed a home run to Boston this season. He'll go up against Cutter Crawford, who the only time he has pitched against the Orioles was out of the bullpen this year, was back on May 1st. He did not record an out. He allowed a home run to Rugnet Odor, then a walk, and then left the game with injury. That was his two batters he's faced against the Orioles, but Crawford has been solid in the Red Sox rotation. We'll see if the O's can get to him on Friday. Then you move to Saturday. Kyle Bradish will get the start for the Orioles. Remember Bradish, he made his major league debut against the Red Sox all the way back in May when he threw himself a solid six innings, two earned runs, and a quality start. Then a couple weeks later, he faced the Red Sox again, and it was awful. It was awful. He allowed six runs over an inning and two-thirds, but you may remember that game as the game that was on Apple TV+. Plus where the Orioles trailed 8-2 to and then scored 10 unanswered runs over the final three innings. I'll take that as long as it becomes an Oriole win. And he'll go up against Michael Waka, who had been on the injured list since late June, but came off the IL on Sunday to start against the Yankees. And he came off the injured list and had his best start of the season. Waka went seven scoreless innings against, to be fair, a New York team that literally can't hit right now. But he allowed just two hits. He struck out nine and walked one. So Michael Waka looking perfectly healthy and looking to follow that up against the O's on Saturday. That is a 4:05 start at the yard. Boog Powell bobblehead night as well. And then the Sunday game, remember, is not at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The Sunday game is the Little League Classic, which will be on Sunday night baseball at 7 o'clock p.m. Sunday evening. It'll be played up at Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Of course, the site of the Little League World Series, which just started on Wednesday of this week. Now, it won't be in a Little League ballpark. It'll be played at the home ballpark of the Williamsport Crosscutters, a minor league team. And it should be a fun, fun event. Um, it always is for the kids and for the players, the Little League Classic. And Dean Kramer will pitch in the Little League Classic for the Orioles. Of course, he just started against the Red Sox two starts ago in that one-off game at Fenway last Thursday. He went five and two, 
thirds innings, allowing four runs on six hits with six Ks and a walk. But remember, Kramer got hit around early in that game and then kind of settled in with three solid innings after that. So hopefully he can get a little bet better first two innings against the Red Sox this time and really settle in. And then it'll be Nick Pavetta, who's had an interesting month of August. He was really struggling, was Pavetta, over his last few starts. And then he got to face the Pittsburgh Pirates on Tuesday. And he went seven scoreless, one hit, six Ks, and three walks, and kind of got himself back on track with the high-velocity fastball and that big 12-6 curveball. We'll see if the O's can get to Pavetta in that one. And then I'll be back with you here on the podcast on Monday. Of course, recapping all the action from the weekend, getting you my three big takeaways from the three-game weekend series between the Orioles and the Red Sox. And also on Monday, make sure to listen or watch Monday's pod because I'll reveal the winner of the Cedric Mullins bobblehead. You're going to want this bobblehead. It's a nice one. And I'll reveal the winner of that one on Monday. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.